Father, Lord, truly falling in love with you has been the best thing we've ever done. It's the, it's the something that has turned our hearts and turned our whole lives around and changed us from the inside out, Lord Jesus. And we love you because you first loved us. Truly, that's the only reason that we could ever love you is because you saw us first and you reached out to us and the love of God constrained us and pulled us in. Lord, we know because we love you, there's peace, there's shalom. There's a shalom to the bride, Lord, that we can come and enter into your symphony. and Lord, that we can play our part and that you can come. And it wouldn't matter the year ahead. It wouldn't matter the day ahead. It wouldn't matter anything because you've got it all in control, Lord Jesus. Lord, we want to come now and thank you for the music and the singing and the worship that's been. And I pray you'd come and just take this little service tonight, Lord. And Lord, that you'd anoint it. You'd take it, Lord. You know what would be the needs. You know what would be in the hearts, Lord. You know every part, Lord. You know every thought that you've put in my heart, Lord. You'd know how you'd want to take it. I just want to surrender it all to you now. Lord, I can't do it, but you can. I pray that you'd take it in a special way, whatever you'd want. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to the musicians. Thank you to Brother Andrew. God bless you. I wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. How many appreciated the service this morning? That was some preaching. I feel like the devil was up against the ropes, and then Brother Andrew would preach to us for a while and then come back and beat up on the devil again. That was some good preaching. I also want to say, the last time I spoke on the... I made a comment right at the end that I'll say I'm sorry for. I had said that sometimes you've got to treat the devil like a little kid that's annoying and just ignore him and he'll go away. And I had one of the precious little kids come up to me and said, Brother John, do you think kids are annoying? <laughs> I'm sorry. Kids are not annoying. There are precious young people and there are future generation. I'm sorry. We, we want to treat the devil like something else, but that is not against the, the little children. I, I'm sorry for saying that. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and I'm, I'm going to start in, maybe we'll start in verse 19. Sorry, Brother Mark, for the jump around. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where th- thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Amen. where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where neither where neither moth or rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thine whole body, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, then thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters. And I want to look a little bit tonight on the two masters, the master of God's economy, the way he runs and the way he operates in the word and the promises of today versus Satan's reasoning and his mindset and the way we can get pulled out by, well, this seems just the smarter way to do it or the better way to do it. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap. They don't work hard at all. They fly around and they find what God provides for them. What you shall eat, what you shall drink. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap. Neither do they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? This ought to start to peel back anxieties and fears and wonderings. Which of you, because we can't change it anyway, which of you, by taking any thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they sit, spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory, in all his wisdom, in all of his might, in all of his vanity of vanities, as he would say himself, in everything that he set his mind to do, how... He was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God bless you. You can have your seats. I appreciate your prayers and your pull for me tonight. I will need God's help just to how to bring it out. But my title tonight will be Consider the Lilies. And I'll subtitle it Growing in God's Economy. Growing in God's Economy. Because there's two different economies that we can grow in. If we read the news and if we follow the, the world events and we follow economics or investments or all these things, we can see that man has an economy that he's built up, built on wisdom, built on math and intelligence and deals and politics and all of these things that prop up a stock market or a market of investments. And there's different parts. If you've ever taken business school like I did, you'll learn about economics and how there's small business or microeconomics and macro and there's all these things that man can devise and build but there's also an economy that God's built in man's economy they try to make you healthy wealthy and wise but in God's economy he also desires you to prosper and be in good health but to prosper spiritually and to be in good health naturally and he wants a wisdom the mind that hath wisdom that's beyond the economy of man 
And sometimes the, the ways, God would say, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, they're higher. And, and, and that the foolishness of man, it would be the wisdom of God. I'm getting that quite, not quite turned around, but you know what I'm saying. What God would say for us to do and set out for us to do to every thought of our own mind, to every thought of everyone around us, it would look crazy. It would look dumb. It wouldn't look like the way that man would do it. But there's a principles within God's economy. Man's economy is conniving. How do I get a better way? How do I get a better deal? How do I cheat a little bit here? How do I save a buck? How do I get around this? How do I... But God's economy has a set of principles that are laid out. And they make the world go around in our world. They operate in God's economy. I can say it's an investment that pays dividends. It always goes up and to the right and it'll pay off in the end. Brother Brandon would say, we are responsible and God has put us on the earth for a reason. And that reason has put us, he has put us here for, we are responsible to him for that reason. You should go to him and find out what he wants you to do. See, if you went to work for a man and he'd give you a job on a ranch or something or another, and you just went out to the barn and just sat down there and say, well, see, you must go ask him what he wants you to do and then go do it. If you're working for a man, find out what your duties is. And then if our life here on the earth, then we should go to the one who put us here and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What must I do? Why am I here? If it's to be a housewife, a dishwasher, whatever God wants you to do, then you do the very best you know how to do it, no matter how little it is. See, the trouble of it is each one of us wants to do the next man's job. We all want to pack the ball, as we say. Now each, and he would begin to talk about a watch and the movements and those little pieces that make the whole thing go around. And that's the way the body, or maybe jumping in even more detail than even he said, but that's the way it is with people. The body of Christ has to be in their position and in harmony. We have a responsibility to God. If we could turn back to Matthew, or if we'll follow it on the screen, but Matthew chapter 6, verses 28 and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies. They toil not, neither do they, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. This begins to create an allegory or a picture of God's economy. Consider the lilies, how they don't do this. And how much better are you in God's mind towards you? Consider the lilies. Do they worry a whole lot? No. Do they toil a whole lot? No. Do they work hard? We, and and I want, I'll, we want to always balance it out in a sense. Yes, we work. Yes, we have to put in the, our nine to five. Yes, we have to do these things. But what's, what's the focus and what's the intent and why, where we go? And what's the anxiety that we pour into the things that matter or don't matter? They toil not. They spin not. And yet I say that Solomon in all of his glory. Verse 33 would say, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. This is a promise of God. We were speaking to the young people last night, we can have, or on Friday, we can have many desires in our human flesh. And we know that, in, Brother Brandon would say, God even wants you to be happy. He wants you to be blessed according to his desires and his will, but he wants you to be happy. He knows in our own humanity what we like and what we desire, and even in our earthly realm, 
And he wants us to have a prosperous journey on this earth. There'll be trials, there'll be tribulations, there'll be testings, there'll be things that are not fun to deal with. But there's also a side where I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. We can begin to search for all these things and try to grasp what we desire in our own desires and strength and that good job or that this or that that. But if we can seek God first and put him in the first place, sometimes those things are what are added unto us because that was God's will for us anyway. If, as Abraham had to lay down his Isaac, he had his Isaac there too. That can be sometimes the plan of God to see what, what's your true heart, though. What's your true motive and what's your true desire? I, I hope I bring it out in the right balance. Proverbs chapter 3 would say, verses 5 and 10. I'm sorry, there's some things I, I didn't give the scriptures for. I, it was still coming to me in the back, and I'm maybe a little bit all over the place. But tra- Proverbs 3, verses 5, maybe this one I gave you. But trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lead not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways, study really hard and read the best books and look at the latest updates on 2023 best practices on Google. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Did you know God can direct your paths in your job? I've prayed about things in a job situation, and God just works it out. I didn't even have to do anything about it. God worked it out in the background. He cares about everything. Everything. We're in God's economy and he has you in a particular job for a reason. And part of it is he, you have to do these things to provide just in this day-to-day economy, but you're also there to win a soul or be a testimony or be an example or even be judgment to this earth on that day where they said, I, you had an example of what Jesus Christ was. We have to be that example. So in every part, God is interested. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. What will it do in God's economy? It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Wait, it means it has a physical effect to me? Yeah, it has a physical effect to me. We begin to obey the promises of God on one side and the promises of God on the other side can begin to be fulfilled. There's a channel we can enter. Brother Ed was preaching on how you could step out in faith and then God can come on the other side and begin once we step out. Honor the Lord with thy substance. Wow. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses burst forth with new wine. Honor the Lord with what you have and in what you do and the givings that you give and all the different things. The Bible says, give and men shall give back to you. Proverbs 16, verses one to three, and I'll jump to eight to nine. The preparations of the heart and man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. As we set out to do things, and we want to be able to think the right thoughts and look in the right things, if we commit it to God, he can begin to inspire your mind. If inspiration comes from two different sources, then why even in our jobs, in our day-to-day life, in our decisions, and in our choices, even in this temporal realm, 
God can begin to inspire you down the right path. That might seem so natural, but then you look back and see, oh, that was God, and that was God, and that was God, and that was God. Even through the dark times and the trials. Verse 8, better is a little righteousness than great revenues without right. Better is a little righteousness and truth and principle and integrity and, and, and following the principles of God than being a rich man without right. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Now we have a, I hope this is okay tonight. We, we have a path and a purpose that God has set out for us. There's an anointing that comes over our life. And as, we, as we're born again, as we follow God and, and the word, as we get into the word, there's an anointing that comes out and, and a path that's set for our lives. And there's an eternal purpose for each and every one of us. And, and if I can springboard from Brother Andrew's service for a moment, can I say in that purpose, the devil is absolutely whipped. There's nothing that the devil can throw against us to shake us off from beginning. In the middle, there's a journey and there's a path and there's backslidings and failures and highs and lows and ups and downs. But when it comes to getting from point A to point eternity, we're going to make it. There's nothing that the devil can do to change that. And this is just for humor's sake. I'll only take one issue with the service this morning. I don't know that the devil knows how to play 12 moves ahead in chess. I think in the game of chess, the devil's playing checkers. I think he's totally, he's, he, he didn't count the cost. What, it was a wonderful service, Brother Andrea. That was just something. It was, I was just something. But Brother Brandon would say and speak to the rock, the devil hates me and I know he hates you too. And he's my enemy, but as long as God's my friend, I don't have no fear of him. I just drive him right on back. Take the word of God and move him right on back out of the place he thinks he's a holding. He hasn't got no strongholds. And that board of chess or checkers or whatever it is, he's got no place of defense. He can think he's got it all. But like Brother Andrew's saying, there's that flying chess piece that might move from there to there to there. That's the end. Checkmate. He's got no strongholds. He's absolutely legally defeated in every place. The devil hasn't got one legal right at all, nowhere. He's just the devil and a password. That's all. Brother Brandon would say in another place, we don't have to knock down to the devil. He hasn't got no legal right to any man that'll accept the promise of Jesus Christ. He's whipped. He's whipped in sickness. He's whipped in disappointments. He's whipped in everything. He's whipped in death. He can't scare me. He can't scare you. That's all he is, is a big old shadow. Well, so he might just as well get on down the street. I just seen his red light go over the hill a while ago. Didn't you? He's gone. Yes, sir. Brother Branham would mention a few times in the message the, the thought of God's economy. It's, it's not my word. It would, Brother Branham would even say it. Or he would have said it first. Love is one of the greatest instruments that's here in God's great economy. God is love. The Bible said that he is love. And when you become one of his children, you become part of that love. You're a part of God's economy. A whole system that works in a different realm. Different countries have different economies and they're interdependent of one another, but they're separate. But we live in the middle of Laodicea. We live in a bright age. And we live in a place where the promises of God are so 
focused and concentrated and there's things that we can claim in our day that maybe we can have more faith than any age before, a perfect faith that will eventually bring us to a rapture. All in God's economy. But there's different principles, just like in man's economy, different principles of investing or this or that that can lay out a successful path in man's economy. There's principles in God's economy. There's a path to follow in God's economy, and it's laid out. Sometimes it's the little things, the simple things, the principles. You become a subject of his domain, and when you do that, you become a son and daughter of God. He said he would give you everlasting life. The message of the world is falling apart. There's only one thing that will satisfy. That's when Christ comes into a man's life. For he's made in the image of God, and he's made in the stature of God. God didn't give you this trip on earth to be this, that, or the other, but to be a son and daughter of God. And there's nothing else will satisfy. That's the only thing will hold our world together and not take our man-made economy, but take God's economy and his way of doing it through his word. The life that we live is to be through his word. What does it mean to live a Christian life, to get up and commit our ways to him in prayer? We don't know what that does sometimes. I don't think we truly understand what it's like to commit our thoughts and our ways to God in the morning and set out. We don't see the angels that drive down the road with us. We don't see that wrong turn we made actually helped us avoid that accident that the devil was trying to line up all morning. We don't know what God is doing. One day we'll look back and the hills will echo with the story and maybe we'll get a replay of how that actually played out. We didn't even know. But God was in control because we were following in the economy of God and the plans of God. Brother Branham would say, I'm going to see if I can jump down and find this quote. That's maybe if I can find it. But he would say, oh, the joy that will be on the other side of Eden. If we, when we look back and see all the things, I'm paraphrasing, we'll, we'll realize, oh, the joy I missed. I didn't have to worry so much. He says, why did I worry? When I look back, when I get to the other side and I look back, why did I spend so much time worrying? The joy that I missed out on. Consider the lilies. They toil not. They spin not. But God cares for them and God cares for you. But the devil, he likes to come in. He came to Eve. And he said, hath not God said that you'll not eat of the tree? Didn't God say that, did, did God really say thou shalt not eat of it and thou, you shall not surely die? I have another way. If you follow this way, don't you know that you'll be like God's? And he began to twist the word and pervert it to another economy, to another way of thinking, to another thought. And he began to induce fear and anxiety and all these things as man began to take control of their own way of doing things. Man began to fall, man fell and began to enter another path where they had to create and with their own hands and plow with their own hands and plant with their own hands and not be sure if the crop would come up. And this would happen and that would happen and the children of Israel would come and there'd begin a path of redemption started where God would lay out orders and laws. Every seven years, let the land rest. And these different things that would lay out so that they could begin to work their way back to an Eden a place where God's economy would have a full and eminent, all absolute, you know what I'm trying to say, it would be all in all. Brother Brandon would say, there's 
only two ways to do anything. I love that this quote has stuck with me. I remember the spot I was driving down the road hearing it. There's only two ways to do anything, and that's the right way and the wrong way. And that's our way and God's way. And then he says, our way is always forever wrong. God's ways is always right. No matter how foolish it seems to us, how simple it is, God behind it, there's nothing can stop it. God speaks it in his laws, and his ways operate perfectly. The order of God. And yet God, Satan wants to drag us down to some other way, some other intellectual way of doing it, some other thought. A couple things that are in my notes that maybe we'll move to it. And I'll just preface by saying it's not maybe a favorite thing to be able to say, but I'll work, have grace with me. I'm just going to, I don't think, I, I still don't know how to preach really, so you, you bear with me. Something, something was in my mind since Brother Philip took a youth service back at the Doles back late last year, and it was a simple thing. But he was preaching on the love of God, the, the, the love of man, the, the king has come and found true love, I think was the title, something like that. And he began to preach about the love that, that we can have for God and how it doesn't become legalism when it's, when it's out of love. I love God. I want to please him. Therefore, I want to do it all. And these little things that would, would seem like they really don't mean a whole lot. He would talk about these baby Amalekites, Brother Brandon would preach about. And a little baby Amalekite becomes a big Amalekite. And it was a lot easier to get rid of a little baby Amalekite and in blunt terms, kill it than it was when it was a big, ugly Amalekite that was in your house now. And he, he touched on speeding. Hey, I've sped a lot. God forgive me. God forgive me, it isn't right. If we look at what the message actually says about it, and if we truly look at what Brother Branham said about it, it's actually wrong. And, and, and from that time, I've, I've been a whole lot better. <laughs> Because you begin to think about it. In God's economy for my day, I want to walk in his perfect will. Or at least I, I say I do. So how can God truly be with me in every moment if I leave the will of God in that moment? You say, that's strong. But we're talking about a higher way. We're talking about something that's a little higher that might not always make sense when I'm late and I'm stressed. But God can better bless my day. God can better be in my way and in my day and be protecting me if I'm simply taking God at his word that says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Brother Branham would say, and I'll just, there's a few things that have just in my notes. I hope it's okay. Brother Branham would say, Christ is the mystery of God revealed, 1963. And I think we would say this is where he really preached the seventh seal. This is an important message. When I had that emergency call to Brother Dow the other day, I didn't realize that Lima, Ohio was so far away. I just thought it was a little skip, hop, and a jump. But my, I left here real early that morning, never got there till one o'clock that afternoon, driving every, everything the speed limit would allow to, on a prayer request, an emergency, I believe it was an emergency prayer request, that's of any reason to speed, <laughs> would be that emergency prayer request for that brother that's dying. 
driving within everything the speed limit. I believe it was Brother Dow was dying. I, I believe I'd have to go back in the history, but emergency call. Everything the speed limit would allow and on dual highway. What did Brother Branham do when it came to an emergency call? These are little things, but they're part of what makes God's economy go around. It's these little things that keep us in fellowship with him where we're not leaving the Holy Spirit just on the branch above. We want him with us always. Brother Branham, and knoweth it not, 1965. Yesterday, coming up in the car, we drove in two days from Tucson here, right 2,000 miles, Billy and I. And so, and now, we, that wasn't breaking any speed laws, he says. And we stayed right. I sat there. If he was driving, he says, I rolled up my fist back like a shotgun with a hammer back. I seen him go over. I said, wait a mil- minute, boy. Now, we're told, give Caesar what's Caesar's. Then we come down last night, a little girl sprawled across the floor, a road about three years, mother dead over in the ditch, some drunken boy coming over as 18 years old, driving 120 miles an hour on the left-hand side of the road, killed. I guess he was dying too. Then you realize what it is, give Caesar what Caesar's. Innocent people dying. And he begins to go on. He would make a strong statement that he would actually even, I, I don't want to lay it on too strong. <laughs> I don't want to lay it on. But what he would say, he says, now that boy is guilty. I think he was drunken boy, guilty of cold-blooded murder. He says, I think if a man would be caught on the road drinking, he ought to be given 10 years flat for premeditated murder. Wow. And he would say in another message, the matter with our country today, and I, I, don't, I don't know the balance of how you put it in a sense. I don't want to say it in balance, and sometimes we can think, oh, we have a way out because of a balance or something. What's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong. He would even say the matter of our, another message, Christ is revealed in his own word, the matter with our country today, the reason we've got so many loose-leaf things in the earth is the penalties aren't strong enough. This is maybe basic government, he would say. But he says, I think if a man is caught doing anything down the road speeding, Speeding now, not just drinking. He said he ought to be given less than 10 years. Premeditated murder. This is right from the message I'm not saying. What I'm saying is this. And Brother Brandon, I think there's maybe another quote, or Brother Ed has said it. If you, if you catch yourself doing just stop. Yeah. Just stop. Just say, God, just stop. I don't want to dwell on something too long. These little things. You take, I don't know if there's a violin here tonight. Have you ever seen the tuning pegs on the top of a violin? You know those big pegs that they move the string a long ways. But on the bottom, there's these little round adjustments you might not have ever seen. And that's when you get the violin pretty close to in tune. You take the little bottom peg and you begin to fine tune it. And that's where you can do little micro adjustments. As we build the pyramid, and as we come up higher to the capstone coming down, these little things start to matter more. Brother Branham didn't, wouldn't declare, uh, was it a candy bar? He didn't realize his son had a candy bar. He went, turned around, drove back two hours to declare it to the government. Would I do that? I would want to just leave it and keep going. That's my humanity. But God help us to just get a little closer. To be concerned if these little things, if this little thing bothers God, why wouldn't I want to fix it? Why wouldn't, don't I trust him enough that, that to be obedient enough would be important and know that if I'm obedient, it's because I trust that there's a reason behind it and there's a purpose and that God will bless me more for it. And I love him and I want to get it right. And I want to get it right. We can look at, I don't want to, this is hard to do. This is hard to say some of these things. Maybe you don't know how it, but God help me. The devil will tell you, 
If you only give eight or nine or ten, an eight or nine percent, and forget off on the offering, what does that really matter? The devil will say that, or five percent, or and, and you know the devil could put a thought in our mind. Well, I have to provide for my family, and this is all I have. I just can't give to that. The Bible will even say, if a man provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own health, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Brother John, I, 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 can't, I can't provide, and I have to provide for my family. I can't keep up with the tithes. But do we know what, brother, what, what, what the Bible says about it? For I am God, Malachi chapter 3, for I am God, verse 6, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your father, you're gone away from mine ordinances. And have not kept them. But then there's a call. Return unto me. And I will return unto you. Saith the Lord of hosts. But you have said where and shall we return? Well God says will a man rob God? Yeah you've robbed me. But you say where and have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. There's both parts. Both parts make the church operate. Ye are cursed with a curse. For ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he says, this is a promise, not just a heavy thing, but this is a promise. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that ye may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith. I'm going to set out how my economy works. It might not make sense for some savings plan somewhere, but I'm going to tell you how I will bless you in a higher way, in a higher order. Bring you and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven, that's better than the stock market, and pour out a blessing that there may not be room enough to receive it. I remember sitting with Sister Hannah in the house after we had gifts from our wedding, gifts from the showers, gifts from this, and we were, the house was just covered with things. I said, I guess this is what it looks like when they says that God will pour out a blessing you can't even contain. Like, where do we put it all? I will pour out a blessing, and there won't even be enough room to receive it. That's the heart of God. It's not supposed to be a heavy thing, and I'm sorry if I, I don't know maybe how to bring this out, but... There's a blessing in it. It's the order of God. It's the way God's economy works. It's not meant to be something, well, how are they going to handle the money? That's not up for, God takes care of that. If someone mishandles something, God will take care of that. And I'd hate to be that person. God takes care of it. What our job is to follow the order of God in our place and in our position. I think I need to move on. Brother, Brother Andrew made this point. He says, let no man despise your youth. So, but also don't live despicably. Don't live in a way that someone could despise it. Be a Christian. Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Now we realize that this young man, Brother Brandon would say, wanted to stay with the principles of what God said. He kept his laws. Uzziah wouldn't turn to the left or to the right. He stayed right with what the word said, and God honored him and blessed him in everything he'd done. Prospered, went right on. What an example that is for any young person. I think today, if we had people today, our churches who claim to be Christians, if they would abstain from the things of the world and live that kind of a life, it would influence the younger Christians to do so. But today, when they let down and drink and smoke and carry on and still tried to hold their confession, 
there's a stumbling block. But the Bible says we're written epistles. It behooves us tonight to think about the example that we set out. All the little things. But what is it? What happens when it comes to paying your tithes or speeding or these little things that come? We know, we know that Brother Branham preached against this or said about that or to wear clothes a certain way or to have certain things in your home and maybe other things not in your home. What happens? Satan's reasoning comes in and says, well, but I, I, need, I need an outlet to relax. Or, or I, I, I have to make that extra buck. Or, or I, I, I can't seem to... We, we, we deviate from trusting in God and his order and his principles and and his thought that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We deviate from that just a little bit and we begin to go down an offshoot, a different path. God can bring us back and he wants to and he tries to and he pulls and he calls. But it's these little things that Satan would come and we'd forget that all we're supposed to do is be like that little lily, consider the lilies and just trust him and just believe, I know God's got this. He said to do this, I believe it. I know there's a purpose behind it. I know there's a blessing behind it. He said to do this, I know that there's my ways and God's ways, and I want to follow God's ways. But Satan will try to pull it just a little bit off, a little bit off. Brother Branham would say, the sculptor now had the word reflected in the masterpiece, again, called his son, God, Emmanuel. Just think that a person so yielded until God identified himself in there, in that body, he became him and God became one. I and my Father are one. My Father dwelleth in me and I do always which pleases the Father. What if the Christian today today could have a testimony like that? You would be a masterpiece right here, he says in Yuma. I'll say in Edmonton. On the street, if you're a washwoman out there behind the wash tub, you'd still be a masterpiece to God when you can say, I do always that which pleases the Father. And the whole world can see that the work of Jesus Christ reflecting in you. It's told one time, the old gold, before they had the smelter, they used to take the gold and beat it. The Indian in the early day when Arizona and its youth, they beat the gold until the beater seen his own reflection in the gold. They beat all the iron pyrite, the dross, the dirt out of it until the beater could see his own reflection like a mirror beating out. Now that's what the gospel does. Many people don't like to be turned over and beat out. Well, what the church needs tonight is a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost beating out of the world and the things of the world. That's what Pentecost needs tonight. That's what our movements needs tonight is a good old-fashioned gold-turning beating. Let's ha- let me have this handful of people in here tonight fully considered to God and their lives dedicated to Christ. I can do more with this handful, or God can do more, rather, with this handful here than you could do with this whole world council of churches towards the kingdom of God. One man surrendered into his hand fully. That's all God needs. But you see, we're not willing to let, lay still and let him beat us this side and that side, knock this out, knock that idea out, and let Jesus Christ be reflected in us. He says, we see too many movies. We got too many televisions. We got too many other worldly amusements till the church has lost its taste to the people. It's because the Holy Spirit moves out and something else moves in. He says, that's right, friends. He says, I hear the testimonies and I believe we're coming to this and we're in this. I don't want, what, we've, what God's been moving in this church is so real and so sovereign. As, hev- as hell is turned loose, I've seen heaven turn loose. 
in the songs, in the ministry. Let's go forward in that. Let's keep it going. Let's be like these old Pentecostals, how they had prayer meetings all night long. My, our fathers and mothers, 40, 50 years old, pray, 50 years ago at the time, maybe 100 years ago, pray all night long. People hated them on the street. And we think that if today, if someone don't pat us on the shoulder, why there's something wrong with us. Brother Brandon would say, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. There ought to be a little bit of pressure, a little bit of something. We ought to be disturbing the kingdom of hell long enough that there's someone that doesn't like it. He was despised and rejected of men, and we're his image. Amen. What we need today is some real genuine prayer meetings. Some cleaning up all the way from the pulpit to the janitor. The whole house to be cleaned up of God, beat up, reflect the image of the beater. The gospel preached in the power of the resurrection of Christ. I'm just going to keep reading. I hope this is okay. What we, this little social gospel that we get got along, pat one on the shoulder, and I don't believe this is where we're at all the time. I, it's just, this is, the, this is a quote that's just, I felt, and I just feel to keep going. This little social gospel that we got along, pat this one on the shoulder and make this one a deacon, that one a presbyter, or something like that, both politics. What happened in Nicaea, Rome? Maybe this is just a warning. Let's never go there. Let's never become that. Because I, I trust we're not here tonight. But what happened exactly was in Nicaea, Rome. We, must, we want to get away from that stuff. Politics, make this person that, and I see how that could work. And Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostals, we must move out of all of that. Politics don't belong in church. Politics doesn't belong in church. The Holy Ghost is to take the church over and not a politic vote of who's who. God placed in the church some apostles, some prophets, some teachers and evangelists and pastors, not men that vote them in there. God placed them there by the calling of the Holy Spirit, prayer meetings and laying on of hands and staying before God. But we can socialize our religion till it's almost like politics, he says. We play it in our denominations. We're all guilty. In there you find some genuine men, genuine women. But the trouble, we're getting too much on the minority side. The genuine that wants to believe and wants the power of God. We've got good churches. We build good churches. Better churches than we used to have. That's all right. There's nothing wrong. It. I want to see the church prosper. But I'd rather see it prosper in the power of God than in the worldly things. Get back to the gospel again. Let's stay with the gospel that we have. What this church was built upon, that Brother Harold labored so tirelessly on, that Brother Ed is laboring so tirelessly on. Let's stay in the saddle. Brother Ed said, let's not turn to the left or to the right. Let's stay focused. Let's stay pure. Let's stay true. If there's sin in the church, if there's sin in our hearts and our lives, Expose it. Kick it out. May it be a church that the power of God could so come and move from the aisle, from the front to the back, that sin could be called out, that the gifts could be in manifestation, and they are. You know, there's nine spiritual gifts. Tongues and interpretation are two of them, and we want them. But there's also wisdom, and I've seen that. There's discernment. There's prophecy. There's healing. There's miracles. There are many gifts, and they're working already in the church. We want more, and we want more, and we want more. I'll say this. I hope I, I'm okay to say this. If, when it happens, I'll say when it happens, when God moves, and someone would speak out, don't ever criticize it. 
If someone were to stand up and speak out or prophesy or say something, don't think anything other than praise God and begin to focus in on the promises of God. That's God moving. You might look at your brother and say, him? That's God moving. Her? That's God moving. Let God take over a vessel. Let God move so freely from the front to the back, inside out. As Jesus said one time, consider the lilies. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one. Solomon in all of his glory was a magnificent sight, there's no doubt. He was a great thing to the world and a great man before God. But Solomon's robe didn't have no life in it. It was a piece of material, probably sheared off a sheep's back. But the lily had life. Christ has life. What we need today is the life of Christ in us. That's what purifies, not the outward, a turned around collar, a degree of psychology or something. It takes the power of the resurrected Christ to make us what we should be. God has no other plan than to let the Holy Spirit rule and reign in the church. Lily, he said, consider it, how it grows, toils, has to bring itself up. This little pond lily, look where it come through. Look where we come through in our lives. Ups and downs in the valleys of life. Dirt, muck, mud, muddy waters, dirty waters. It pressed its way through all of that. Oh, this is going on, or that's going on, or this is happening in the church. It presses its way through all of that. This little germ of life working itself from the bottom of the pond where the frogs and things are at and brings itself through all of that. But then it, when it gets to the presence of the sun, it's born. That little seed bursts open into life. It cannot do that until it goes through all of that process. My. It's got to come through that. When you see someone struggling or striving or, or you say, well, why do they do it that way? Or they're this or they're that in the church. Give them the time and the grace to grow. Maybe they're pushing through muck and mud. Maybe they're growing through this or that, but they're coming to that sunlight. That's what makes it because the sun itself is what's drawing it. And when it gets fully above the dirty waters and mud, muck and so forth, then it's so happy. It just gives its life out freely. And it's a beautiful life when it gets into the presence of that which is drying it up. I think that's a beautiful type of Christian life. When something is drawing you out of the world until one day you're born right into its presence. By the Holy Spirit, how beautiful. He says, if you try to help it, you'll kill it. Like a little chicken that it's being born, you know. You ever notice one of these little fellows right on top of its beak or any bird that's born from an egg? It's maturing, this old eggshell. The inner parts of the egg has to rot away. That chicken has to peck and peck and peck. It just comes to me, so I'll say it. We have to be careful how we would help someone be born again. We have to be careful. If, if Brother Bradham would talk about how I think Billy Paul, or, or I'd have to go back to the story, maybe it's in the Generations book, where they were pulling Billy Paul up to the altar, I think it was. And I think Brother Bradham went back to them and said, don't you ever do that. Don't you ever pull someone to an altar. Let God do it. It can't be an emotional Paul while you're, like they said, Brother Brandon would say, oh, your mother would want you to do this. Your father would want you to do this. You can hurt the birthing process. 
it's got to be God that pulls that person to an altar. I, I, there's a story of a, of a minister, and I think it was his mother in, a, in another place. I think he said he had, he had he, there was a service, and I, I'm going to mess up the details, but the, the principle of it was here that he had pulled his mother up thir- some 30 years ago. He said, would you like to come to the altar? And from that moment, it so turned her the other way. 30 years it took her, something like that, to come back. To, and she's in church now. But for 30 years, she went on a different path because it so turned her. Let God do it. We're not here. We preach the gospel. We'll pull here. But when it comes, let God now then begin to work as the altar, as different things would happen. If that's the type of service, let God do the work. It's not about emotional pull. There's no mediator between God and man but Jesus Christ. Unless God truly is, God can use us. God can use us to encourage someone. Or, but in those moments of the birthing process, let God do it. Let God do it. That's the way the Christian has to do it. Ain't someone just shaking your hand, taking you in. You've got to lay there till you die. Any young person, any old person looking for the new birth, they have to lay there till they die, rot, and are born into the kingdom of God. I've been listening to the message coming up to this, or was listening to the message, birth pains. The world's been through birth pains, the First World War, the Second World War. He would say every time a prophet would come and say back to the word, it was a birth pain. But the good news about a birth pain is that there comes a birth. We can go through birth pains as young people as we struggle to know our identity and who we are. And in this day and age, the mind battles are beyond anything. Anxiety, suicide, depression, homosexuality, transgender, those pulls. Uh, can I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, I hope this is okay. Yeah. Parents, the spirits of this age that will affect your children, you'll be sh- shocked by. That's right. And God, t- it takes God to lead us. I remember being a young person and thinking my dad has no idea what I was going through and where I was struggling. And he might not have even. But God brought me through. But don't be surprised when these spirits come against your home or your family. It doesn't make you any worse or any better. It takes the blood of Jesus. Children. This just comes. I I hope this is okay. Children. These spirits, even that will come so close, homosexuality or transgender. If you fight with that, you're not alone. You're not the first one that ever will have. You're not strange or crazy. That's just the devil. And he's ruthless and he doesn't care. He doesn't care who he hits. With what? He'll send the wackiest thought, the most perverted, the most messed up thing at anyone. Preacher to the janitor. So when those spirits come, and they will come the more in this last time, it is the days of Sodom. When they come, find someone to talk to. And if someone comes and talks to you and says, I'm struggling with this, and to you, you're like, whoa. Give them, say, oh, come here. Let's pray together. That's not to push someone out. There will be a day, on the day of judgment of the devil. I love that day. There will be a day where every single devil, every single devil has to come and will have been defeated by a member of the raptured bride. There can't be a single devil that will be able to come to God and say, I defeat, no one defeated me. From every perverted thing to every common thing. From stealing to this to that. So that means we're going to have to contend with some things. 
And we're going to have to overcome. And we're going to have to overcome in love. And in the right spirit and in the right way. Facing the enemy but loving our brother. Facing the devil, hating the devil that's spotting his flesh but loving our brother. No matter what comes our way. And these things will come the more so. It's not a strange thing. If you, if you're, as a young person, if you were to fight things and you think, I'm the only one, you're not. Are you kidding me? You're not. I, 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 maybe I'll leave it there. I think you get the point. The devil will say we're the only one. We're the only thing. And we, we disappear to our own comfort or our own place or our own thing and pulls us down farther and farther into a pit or a hole. I don't know why I'm here. You're not alone. You're not the first one. You're probably not the only one. You might be not the only one on your row that's fought with that or is fighting with that. God can overcome it all. God can overcome anything. Anything. That's the way we want it. They found no better way for a baby to get what it wants besides God's way for it. I'll drop down now. That's the way we want it is to cry for it. If you want freedom, there's a chain breaker. If you want healing, there's a way maker. Don't be ashamed. Say, I'm hungering for God. I don't think I can do it. I'm burdened by all these things. I don't consider the lilies. God so cares for that flower in the grass. He so cares for you. I'm hungering for God. Don't care what the deacons, pastors, or whatever is around. Scream it out anyhow. The Jones are sitting there. What difference does it make? Cry out. That's the only way to get it until you get help. He taught that when he was here on earth, you know, the unjust judge. I've got to close. I know thy poverty, but thou art rich. There it is again. Church age book. Seeing him, see him walking up and down in the midst of the church. Like a father looking for his family. He's the head of his household. He's the provider. He's the protector. Yet he looks on at their poverty. I know thy poverty. How the untutored believer stumbles at this. How can God bear to look upon his own in a time of need and not stop it all? Not just stop it all and give in and lavish everything material upon them. Here's where you have to believe again in the love and goodness and wisdom of God. This too is needful. The poverty, the trials, the struggles, the hard times. Take no thought for the morrow. Remember he admonished, take no thought for the morrow, what you shall eat or what you shall put on. Your father knoweth the things that you have need of. He, he who clothes the lily and feeds the sparrow shall do much more for you. These physical things are not the true basic necessities of life. For a man's life consisteth not of the things he possesses, but rather seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all material necessities will be added unto you. The people of God are not material minded. Brother Branham says, they are Christ minded. They do not seek the treasures that are below. They seek those above. He says, it is absolutely true. The majority of Christians are not wealthy. Rather, they are on the poor side. It was so in Jesus's day. It was in Paul's day and it, and it should be true today. Oh, but it's not so true for the Laodicean age. He does, now he goes, and I'll drop down a little bit. Now this is nothing against rich people, for God can save a rich man. Some of God's children are rich, but money can sure be a, such a snare, not only those to have it, but to those that don't. Way back in the first age, James cried out to those who were putting stock in wealthy people. 
Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with respect of persons. The poor were there trying to butter up the rich in order to get help rather than trusting in God. Don't do it, says James. Don't do it. Money isn't everything. Money isn't the answer. And today, it is not the answer either. We have more wealth than we have ever had, and yet less is being accomplished spiritually. It is not with money that God works. He moves by his spirit. He moves by his spirit. If you're blessed financially, God bless you. That's God's blessing. And if you're not, God bless you. God provides. Did you know that you're not the true provider of your life? God is. You're not the true provider. God makes the whole thing work. It's God's reason you got that contract or that job or that. God makes it work. And that moving of the Spirit only comes to a life consecrated to His Word. Here's that quote. On the other side of Eden, amen. What a wonderful time it'll be someday when you look back and say, why did I fear? Look at the joy I missed. The tree reveals Jesus Christ. The flower reveals Jesus Christ. The sanctified life reveals Jesus Christ. Say, how could the flower reveal Jesus Christ? It dies in the fall. It rises in the spring. Dropping down, then the lily was revealing Christ. The lily of the valley. The rose of Sharon. How Mr. Lily, Pastor Lily, he's such a wonderful school, a wonderful Bible teacher. Mr. Lily is, he gets down in the valley, the dark place. He pushed himself up through the darkness of the earth. What to do? Glorify himself to glorify everything that comes in contact with him. And he has to toil day and night to keep his radiance of beauty, to keep the perfume flowing. He's pulled day and night from the earth to give out. That's what a real Christian does. You pray and humble yourself and keep before God day and night in order you might give yourself to someone else. Not what you give. It's not what you keep. It's what you give. That counts. Brother Branham would go on and, and, and talk about how Jesus was the lily of the valley, and when a lily is crushed, it brings out opium. And that opium could give out for your healing or even for your doubts and fears, I think he would talk about. We live in such a blessed time, such a blessed age, where we can see the fullness of the word of the hour. And God wants us to live above, like Brother Wendell was saying this, let this be the year that all condemnation is gone. Let this be the year that all anxiety is gone. All fear is gone. We wouldn't be a slave to anything. But it would be peace and love and joy. That no matter when hell faces us and it all breaks loose, deep down on the inside, all there is is just more love, more character, more victory, more peace, more joy, a better response to everyone around us and better and better and something from the inside, an internal desire that comes out and that manifests in the way we live and our daily moments in every part that we would do, in every part that we would do. Maybe I'll ask the musicians to come. This didn't go maybe the way I would have thought it would have, but, but today in this little talk, Brother Branham says, what a wonderful feeling what a wonderful fellowship together. And I believe that with all my heart today that this little old tabernacle will see the direct evidence that Jesus Christ raised from the dead visible before their eyes. God healing the sick and doing great signs and wonders 
that the Great Commission included. The Great Atonement that was made at Calvary included these things. And to me, it's the infallible proofs of his resurrection. You watch it, you listen to the message, it is the rising of the sun. The proof, Jesus said, I'll do these things, and then he proved it, he did, he rose again. And that life has come back on us. What a resurrection that was, and what a resurrection this is. After he had raised from the dead, he said, you must go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. These signs shall accompany them that believe. You can have all the cathedrals, all the rubbings, all the everything else you want, but give me the resurrected power that I can see the Lord Jesus today as the lily of the valley, the morning star, that seals it to me. Then I can say, as Job of old, I know my Redeemer lives. I wonder if we could sing that. I know my Redeemer lives. Let's all stand. Do you love him tonight? Who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? Who taught the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? And whose words alone can catch a falling star. I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Let all creation testify that this life within me cry I know my Redeemer lives the very same God that spins things in orbit He runs to the weary the worn and the weak and the same gentle hand that holds me when I'm broken it conquers death and brings me victory and I know my Redeemer lives oh I know my Redeemer lives Let this life within me cry. I know my Redeemer lives. I wonder if we could sing the second verse. The very same God always spins it all. All in His economy, in His plan. He runs to the weary, to the warm, and the weak, and the saints. Same gentle hand that holds me when I'm broken. It conquers death to bring me victory. Oh, yes, I know.
clap of praise tonight and thank you yes Lord Jesus hallelujah 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 oh blessed be the name of the Lord has he been good to us today amen amen I was thinking as brother John was speaking or brother Branham mentions it actually 244 times the little things the little things What's, what's a service like this doing, Brother Andrew? It's honing off the top. We need to spend time in the Shekinah glory, in the presence of God, to allow the Holy Ghost to hone that brotherly kindness so the capstone of love can come down and cap off your life and allow God to have the preeminence in all. Amen. We've had the foundations laid. We've had the faith preached. We know what we believe. We've had virtue added and strength brought in there and temperance and patience and godliness. But what about brotherly kindness? Just let God work it right to the end so he can come down, cap off our lives. Amen. Don't you love him so much? Oh, he's been so, so good to us. So good to us. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I think after your comments tonight, we've discovered I'm a better preacher than a song leader. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> Amen. You know, God, his riches are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, patience, godliness. All of these things, that's the riches of God. When Peter would write and he would talk about the stature of perfect man, he says, if these things be in you and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. 
We desire, the, that's the, the, the wealth that God wants to give to you in his economy and pour out upon the believer. If God was to take it and pour out just luxuries of the world upon everyone, it would be like an admission that the wealth of the world is of some value to God. He doesn't need wealth. He needs surrendered lives. Oh, how wonderful he is. Amen. 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 I wonder if we could just sing that song. I, I just change it a little bit, but these are the days of Elijah. We'll just pick it up a little bit. It's Sunday night. These are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses righteousness being restored oh and though these are days of great trial of famine and darkness and soul still we are the voice in the desert crying prepare comes and these are the days of Ezekiel all oh, the dry bones becoming as flesh oh and these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise oh and these are the days of the Jehovah, there's no God like 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 Jehovah, behold he comes, he's riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, it's at the trumpet. There's no God like my Jehovah. There's no God like 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 Jehovah. There's no God 